A reading from Ephesians. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the spirit, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you are called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When he says he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful schemes. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From a scholarly perspective, the book of Ephesians is a tad bit weird, but you all know how I feel about weird things in the Bible. I like it. It's usually where God is at. It is a letter that is attributed to Paul, but the grammar, the sentence structure, and the theology really doesn't match up with the letters we know written by Paul. Nevertheless, the book is scripture. And the words contained in the book still hold meaning, regardless if Paul wrote them or not. Most scholars feel that the same writer of Colossians wrote the book of Ephesians. And it's not really a book, per se. Most scholars don't really see it as, as a letter. It's, it says it's attributed to the Ephesians, but it really, it could be written to anything. A lot of scholars today now think that the book of Ephesians was more like the sermon that went along with the letter. It was a sermon on how the church is meant to function. Paul begs the congregation to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Paul envisions the church to be a community with its roots, its foundation in humility and gentleness and patience, love, and to be unified. Nobody can really argue with that. That sounds like a really healthy community. A healthy Christian community. Really, though, it's not describing a Christian community, though. Any good organization, any good community, any good family should be those things. What makes us different? What makes a Christian community different? 
Paul tells us in the very next verse. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This is what separates us from the rest of the, the world. Our faith, our baptism, our God and Father of all. This is what makes us different from other social organizations like the Lions Club or Ham Radio Club or, dare I say, Disney. So why choose a text like this to talk about our similarities with Disney? I asked myself that question 11.30 last night. And as Diane told you all last week, she chose the lessons. I didn't, and she was asleep, of course. So it was a... So I started to think about what makes Disney so different from other media companies and amusement parks. You all know I don't like amusement parks. I don't like crowds. I don't like standing in line. I don't like paying ridiculous amounts of money for food and souvenirs. Three years ago when Diane told me that she wanted to go to Disney World, I said I didn't want to go. Why would I want to go to Disney World? There's people there. I don't do people. (laughs) I don't do amusement parks, and I certainly am not going to do an amusement park for my vacation. I wanted to go to a place like New Orleans or even just stay in a cabin in the woods with no electricity, no water, no facilities whatsoever. I quickly learned that, though, that Disney is different from other parts that I have been to. Don't get me wrong. There were still crowds. There were still long lines. There was, there was overpriced food and souvenirs. But something felt different about this place. I've been to Hershey Park many times. And it's a fine park if you like that sort of thing. But I don't really have any warm and fuzzy feelings about Hershey Park. We sat on a train for 17 hours to go to Disney World. Spent a lot of money to go to Disney World. Hershey is only two hours away, a whole lot cheaper. We could have stayed at Diane's family's house. Saved a lot of money on a hotel. Why spend all the money to go to a place that we can easily get in Hershey? Because Disney is different. One day, and this was like three years ago when we first went to Disney World, I was sitting on a bench in Disney, and this little boy, he was extremely upset. He, he was unconsolable. He was crying profusely. His mother could not soothe him. He was having an all-out temper tantrum. And a cast member was doing something else a lot more important. Stopped what he was doing, dropped everything, and came over and got down on this boy's level. He talked to the boy and listened to the boy for like a good five minutes. And then he went and got the boy a Mickey Mouse ice cream. Because that's what the boy wanted. The little boy didn't have the words to convey that to his mother. His mother wasn't able to listen, wasn't able to hear him. Once the boy got his ice cream, he was happy. He was happy to be in Disney World. It was amazing to watch, and I told Diane about it after she got back off her crazy roller coaster thing or something. I told her I'd never seen a staff member at a park cares so much about a child who's having a temper tantrum. Thomas has temper tantrums all the time. I really don't care. I'm like, yep. (laughs) Do whatever it is that you're going to do on the floor. I'll be alright. Don't worry. But the cast members care. And and, and I come to find out that all cast members are trained to deal with these various situations. They treat their jobs very differently. Disney employees are, are not called employees. They're called cast members. The philosophy is that the entire Disney park is a stage and each cast member is performing. But they take it far above acting. They really do care about the people they are sent there to serve. When 
whenever a cast member would strike up a conversation with me, it always felt like they, they genuinely cared. They take their job seriously. They take their vocation seriously. They care for the people they are put there to serve. It's no wonder that people equate Disney to a religious experience. Diane talks about getting goosebumps whenever she hears or talks about Disney World. I, I, I'm not afraid to admit that on one morning at the opening of a park, I had tears coming down my eyes. The parks use their space to put you into a, pull you into an unforgettable experience that you can't find anywhere else. They create music that's unforgettable. Diane can sing you like all the Disney songs from her childhood. I can't do that that well, but I, I recognize a lot of them, especially the ones I really like, like Lion King and, and Toy Story and what was the other one? I can't remember. Other theme parks have songs, but Disney music means something different to people. Disney is really good at giving the world, giving people unforgettable experiences to their parks and through the stories that they tell. You know, there's a, there's a Star Wars ride in Hollywood Studios where you sit on a shuttle, a ship, whatever they're calling it, and you go through a ride through the galaxy. It's probably one of my favorite rides. You, you feel like you're actually a part of the story. They, they take you to light speed, and it's exciting to sit there and feeling all the emotions and adrenaline as an Empire fighter, is ch- fighter pilot is chasing you, chasing the shuttle. It's incredible. Well, in Epcot, they have this, this Frozen ride. It's brand new. It was really cool. You're sitting on this raft, and they're taking you on a nice story. There's Olaf standing there singing, as what he normally does. When the story is calm, the ride is calm. But slowly, the anticipation rises as the ride picks up speed. Then all of a sudden, you're in the ice castle. With Elsa singing, let, uh, let it go, or whatever she's singing there. I don't remember. And all of a sudden, you hit the wall. And you stop being like, is this the end of the ride? And all of a sudden you're going backwards. And you're flying through the rapids and it gets really cold all of a sudden. And then it stops. And everything starts slowing down as the theatrics start to change. You know you're on a ride, but it, it feels like you're in the movie. It's an amazing experience. It's an unforgettable experience. Disney gives unforgettable experiences, but they're not the only ones who have the ability to do this. Disney is different. And I realize what I love most about Disney, I love most. I also love most about our church. You know, at the heart of every Christian community is worship, which should be an unforgettable experience. This is what we do. We worship Jesus. We love worshiping Jesus so much that on the night before really, really, really big festivals, we gather in holy anticipation for what is to come. Christmas is until December 25th, but when do we all show up? December 24th, in the freezing cold, to sing Christmas carols. That's a holy thing. Worship is at its best when it retells the story in a way that makes you feel part of the story. But not to the point where you, where you forget that you're sitting in a pew in 2019. A great example of this is, is Holy Week. And Holy Week is quickly approaching us. We, we, we gather on the nights that Jesus that are most partic- most memorable. We gather on Monday, Thursday. And we meet Jesus in the upper room where the, disi- where the disciples had their feet washed, where they shared a meal with Jesus and then watched as he was handed over to the authorities. And we do these very things. We are the cast members, though we call ourselves disciples. We participate, but we are not recreating the act. We do just enough 
to trigger that emotional part of our being that reminds us of the story of Jesus. Jesus doesn't get crucified every single year on Good Friday. But countless numbers of people hear the story of how God, how he was led to a cross and died for our sins. In many ways, our Good Friday Tenebrae service is like a ride in Disney. You experience the same emotions felt by the disciples without really the act of crucifixion. Holy Week is not really done for the benefit of God. God already rent through Holy Week once. God doesn't need to do it again. But Holy Week is done for our benefit. Maybe we should be equating Holy Week to a ride at Disney. Disney creates rides based on movies that, that we all know and, and makes us fall in love with these stories all the more in order to sell you more product that you never thought or imagined that you, could, that you need it or can, and, but now cannot imagine living without. The church creates similar, if not better, experiences based on a story that we all know and love. So that when we fall in love with the story all the more and see that we cannot live without our God in our lives. Worship has a remarkable way of teaching the faith. It's an unforgettable experience. It's like a ride at Disney, and we are the cast members sent out to make sure the people are happy and safe. Now, don't give me that excuse that worship is boring, that you know we say and do the same thing over and over again, that it's, it's, it's too boring. I went to the Frozen sing-along. They do that show like ten times a day. They have been belting out Let It Go for years now. And people still show up and fill that theater. Repetition is all part of the experience and a necessary one at that. We learn through repetition. Repetition leads to habits. And can going to church really be that bad of a habit to create? Imagine with me if we viewed our worship as a ride, an unforgettable ride that you're willing to wait long lines and to experience. What if we acted like cast members of Disney and as soon as we walked into St. John's or, or Trinity or St. Thomas, that does nothing else matters except those whom we are called here to serve. Paul has very high expectations for his disciples and Christian communities, just like Disney has high expectations for their cast members. Disney is different and unlike any other amusement park or media company in the planet. Tell me, why should we... Why should the church be like everything and everyone else? We should be different and offer unforgettable experiences, act differently as disciples of Christ, and tell the story of our Lord. The same excitement and enthusiasm as those who produce a Disney sing-along. 